Would you turn with me to the end of Acts chapter 20? Acts chapter 20, we are on the, the last portion of this passage. Acts 20, we're going to look at the verses 33 through 35. I'll let you turn there. An old preacher, R.C. Sproul, who's now with the Lord, tells the story of one of his first or early baseball games with his father at the Pittsburgh Pirates. He could, he could tell you, as he told this story, who was pitching and what the score was and what happened that made it memorable as a game. He loved those details, but what really stood out to him and at that baseball outing with his dad was as they were leaving the park, his dad said to him, quick, son, cover your wallet, walk fast, let's go, just do what I say, I'll explain afterwards. After a few minutes of rapid walking, his father explained to him, that was Father so-and-so, our local priest, and he's always after our money. I guess that was his first impression of money in church. I wonder if you've ever felt the same. I hope you don't hear that here. But I do want to bring to you something that relates definitely to this, and it's for the joy of your soul. I didn't intend to spend four weeks in Acts 20. I actually intended to spend one, but I think it's good for us to be there one more week and then next week, we're going to be in John chapter 7, and we're going to continue with a series I started about a year ago, and we'll be back in John 7. Today is a money sermon. It is a sermon on giving. I want to look at what I will call the giving beatitude. Beatitudes are, are statements of blessing, and they're most famous for the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and so on. And in this passage, in Acts 20, Paul's giving an address to the elders, the leaders of the church of Ephesus. He's reminding them of his faithful ministry, not so that they would praise him or pat him on the back, but as an example of how they are to, to lead and shepherd their flock. He had led with humility and tears and trials. He urges them to keep their minds and their hearts fixed on the word and the gospel of Jesus and on the mission before them and on their flock, watching out that wolves will come even within amongst themselves. And then he finishes with these words. Would you look at verse 33 with me? He says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities. That means I worked and I took care of my own needs. And to those who were with me, and all things I have shown you, that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I bet you heard that phrase before. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you see that giving? It's a giving beatitude. Those last words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I wonder where you are this morning. 
Maybe you are sitting there thinking, come on, I don't need this. I need to receive. I'm struggling, pastor. Me too. I always need to, I always need to receive. I need to receive, like you, grace and help and strength, sometimes money, always wisdom and help from the Lord. And I pray that this passage would pierce all our hearts and drive us to the love of God and to cling and live on his promises as we seek this giving beatitude to put it into practice. I'll admit, I can get anxious about money. And yet God has been so good and generous. He has always provided for me, but I can get anxious and fearful. I do around tax season. Maybe you do too as well. And monthly when I do the bills. I'm not proud of that. It shows that I struggle with idols of of control and of false security, of money and possessions and necessary comfort. I think that I need to bring happiness to my life, and God's working on me. I'll also preface this sermon by telling you straight out that this church has been, I mean, we've been praying about this for the last few months, has been struggling with making our budget as a church this, this year and especially this summer. We've, caught, we, we've sought to cut expenses in all areas except to pay staff and other necessary things, which, um, which includes me and, the, some of the, and Pastor Mike and our secretarial staff and Julie and, and other needs. We are behind at times waiting on God to see if we can make the payroll this week. And I hope to send you a letter this week with a little bit more detail on this, especially for those who are members of the church. God has provided. He always will provide. He does through stretching us, causing us to wait upon him, and he does it through obedient and convicted, giving people who put their trust and treasure in the gospel above all. Um, this, this pastor, I, I, like the other pastors, we don't know who gives what in this church. It wouldn't be wise for pastors to do that. I don't want, we don't want knowing who gives and what they give to ever even just have behind our minds an influence on how we shepherd lest we show partiality. But it, I know it's often been the case, and I've been pastoring for 20 plus years now, that in so many churches, about one third of the church gives faithfully, and I'll say more about what that means, and probably about another third gives sporadically, a little here and there, and I praise God for that, and about another third doesn't give anything at all, or at least not according to any records. And people don't give for at least four reasons. They, they're unable. Sometimes they're unable. And these days, inflation is high, and there's challenging and things going on in our lives. It's some, another reason is they're unwilling. They just don't want to do it. They're not letting go. Another reason would be they're not informed. They don't know there's a need, or they don't know what God calls them to, or they're 
uninspired. And I hope by God's word through me and this text, you will be, we will all be helped this morning. I hope we will be blessed. My desire is to pursue your joy in this passage because he says something really important to our hearts. Okay, the giving beatitude. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I want to, I've, I've heard one of our lay, lay leaders say to me through the years, Pastor, I always want you to let me know when you have a specific need, I don't want you to go without if, if, I, if we can't help it. And that goes for you in this church, brothers and sisters. We're in the same place. We want to help you in the same way. He says, please tell us you're, if you're in a need. Don't, he uses these words, don't rob us of a blessing if we can in order to give and help you. What does he mean by that? Rob us of a blessing. He believes it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so I want to focus on these three verses that I just read. And I want to make five observations about what, this, what I call is this giving beatitude. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I want to, in order that we would better understand it and apply it. Okay, so here's five observations about this giving beatitude. Number one, let's look at the author of the beatitude. You, you see that. We know who the author of this beatitude is. It says here, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said. When did Jesus say these words? I wonder if you know. I don't. We don't know because they're not found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but we know that they were spoken by the Lord Jesus because Paul, an inspired author by the Holy Spirit, tells us this. What did he say? What did Jesus, our Lord Jesus, say about money and possessions? He sure said a lot. While Jesus proclaimed primarily the gospel and the kingdom of God and what it means for our life, he frequently talked about this subject warning us that we cannot serve both God and money and how our possessions and money are so tied up into where our heart really is and who we really are worshiping. He talks about money in Luke chapter 12 when he, when he warns us with the parable of the rich fool, warning us to not lay up for ourselves treasures on earth, but instead to be rich towards God. He says, be Beware of being greedy or covetous, for your life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. And he talks about giving to the poor and selling all that you have to the rich young ruler in Mark 10. Or in Mark 12, he mentions the widow's might. And he says, look at how much she gave. She gave all. Or he takes a story about the talents in Matthew chapter 25, and he says, you are actually stewards, and everything you have is actually God's. What are you going to do? Are you going to be faithful with your possessions? Or to Zacchaeus, when true repentance took place, he gave and gave, both making amends for his theft and giving his possessions away to the poor. When did Jesus say it is more blessed to give than to receive? We don't know. But we know he 
lived this clearly out. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before Jesus, the blessing of honoring the Father, he gave us all. He came to him, he came to give himself as a ransom for many. He gave and he gave and he gave and he was he is the most blessed man. Again this morning, he gives to us. He offers us, he offers you mercy and forgiveness, and salvation, and rest. Would you just remember as we go through this more than anything, that as you focus on what I'm saying about this beatitude of giving, it is more blessed to give than to receive, I pray that you would focus on the giver of this beatitude, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he offers to you. Oh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8, for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he was poor. He became poor so that by his poverty, his death on the cross, you might become rich in God. So as we start to think on this, let us think, who, who said this? Who is the author of it? Jesus. If Jesus is the author of this beatitude, this, this word, what instructions are we given about this beatitude, this word? Well, number two, the instructions concerning the beatitude. He said this, in this way, we must help the weak. And the weak here are those who are poor and needy and destitute. And he says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. What instructions does he give us about these words? He says, remember them, bring it to mind, and trust the promises that God is the rewarder of those who seek him. That's what this sermon is about, for you to take the truth. Friends, it is more blessed to give than to receive, and to remember those words as you go today, to let them sink into your mind and to meditate on them. I want to bring this meditation to you, and I pray that it will continue by His Spirit. I pray that it would be on our minds when we pay our bills and when we plan to give and when we give and we listen to the needs and act towards others that are in, in need. And please let us remember when Paul says, Oh, would you remember the words of our Lord that he said this? Remembering is a commitment to grab hold of a truth. In this case, a, a beatitude, a speaking of blessing for those who are this way. And to take that truth and let it change the way you think and feel and act. The instructions concerning the beatitude. But then I want you to see number three. I want you to see contrast, the contrast of beatitude. He says it is more blessed to give than to receive. I, I struggled with the word contrast. Is that the right word? Is, it, is there a paradox here? Is there some irony here? Is there a riddle found in this? Giving Jesus would say in this 
Beatitude is better than getting. He says they're blessed. It me- blessed means, and I'm going to say more about this in the next point, it means gain. To be blessed is to gain something. When we say, to praise God from whom all blessings flow, he's blessing us. It means gain, and there's a gain by giving away. I, you might be here this morning and you go, Pastor, I don't like receiving. I like giving. Our pride may not like always receiving in one sense, but I want you to think before we finish this point out, we do all receive and we need to receive. And in fact, our selfish side always wants to receive. We want to receive praise, even though sometimes we have a false humility. We, we want to receive service from others, at least in our weakest moments. I want you to do for me. We want support, we want comfort, we want provision. And we live with the world, and on our selfish flesh, we want to put ourselves first. And yet, as we come to this thought, we all receive, we all are receivers. You are a receiver of God's grace. No one ever can give and live out this beatitude without first receiving. What do we have Paul says, what in the world do you have that you haven't received as a gift? So why do you act as though you hadn't received it in the first place? Christianity, true Christianity always receives before you can ever truly give of any value. We receive his mercy, we receive his love, and we are saved by his grace alone. This passage says it is more blessed to give but we give because we have received. You might be sitting here saying, I don't have anything to give, Pastor. I am very poor. I'm very weak. I'm in a really bad position. How can this passage comfort me this morning? Well, you can give. You can give a lot. I was thinking this week, one of my heroes of the faith is Johnny Erickson Tada. Have you heard of her? If you've been here long enough, I've quoted her before. She has been a quadriplegian for many, many decades. I mean, she's really weak. I mean, if you can't hardly move, she's basically paralyzed. She can do some things. She can talk. You could say, what does she have to give? Oh, she's been given for 40-some years. She's given her prayers, and then she gave... Well, after receiving God's grace, she's given through books and songs and ministry to others. She said, yes, I am so broken. I have so little. As the world would say, you should just receive for the rest of your life. And she said, no, but God has just supplied me with everything. I must give. And she's been blessing. She's been blessing for many, many decades. The story of the widow who gives just the last amount Jesus said she gave more than all of those rich people who are dropping a lot of money in the coffers. Why is it more, more blessed to give than to receive? I mean, we 
We like to receive. That seems to make us happy. Giving? Well, it is more blessed because it requires a type of love, and God is love, and this kind of blessing, this kind of giving comes from God. It requires, we're going to see this, a type of faith in God, the type of giving that says, God, can I really trust you? I must. You are so faithful. Oh, what a, there is nothing more blessed than having true faith in a God who works wonders. It's the blessing that requires a denial of self, and it requires you to view your resources differently like God made you to view them. I hope that as we let these truths sink in, as you seek to, because we all need to take this passage and just apply it to our lives. However, wherever we are, God, how do you want us to apply it? You say it is more blessed to give than to receive. I want to figure out what that really means. I want to, I want to understand that. So let's, let's move to the next point, number four, the next fourth observation about this giving beatitude. It's the promise of the beatitude. You see the promise. It is a promise in the beatitude. It's, this is the, a beatitude is this blessing. The blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Here, the blessed are those who give. They, they are blessed. The word blessing, it's a, it's a very churchy word. Uh, if I talk to somebody and, they, and I don't even know them, maybe I... I was, I was selling a car a couple months ago, and the guy that drove away says, have a blessed day. And I go, why did you say that? And he goes, oh, it's just what I say. I said, that's a churchy word. That's a Christian word. I said, are you a Christian? He said, well, yeah, kind of. And we started talking. It's a, it's a churchy word. What does it mean? It, well, in ancient times, it could have meant like the blessed are one whom fortune smiles on you favored from the Lord. Oh, the happiness and joy to the one who is blessed. God's face is upon them. And I want to just offer you four ways that I see at least, and there's more than four ways, but at least four ways in which it is more blessed to give than to receive. Four ways of the blessing of giving to the person that says, I'm going to give faithfully, joyfully, the way God calls me to give. Here's four reasons it's a blessing. Number one, giving is a blessing because it's a way of internal, eternal investment. Giving is seen in scriptures by both Paul and by Jesus himself as an eternal investment. The type of giving with the type of motive and the type of attitude is a way of laying up for ourselves treasures for the life to come. In Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures that is susceptible to decay and to theft. That's what it's like when you take the possessions and monies on this earth and you make it your goal to have as much security and as much possessions in that. But instead, you need to see that provision given to you as a way of, of investing, wisely investing, to give what you can't keep anyways, to gain what you'll never lose. 
And there's a story, the parable of the unjust steward in Luke chapter 16. It's a remarkable, I preached on it a few years ago. Luke 16, 1 through 13, Jesus teaches a principle of using your wealth to make friends who become believers as you give for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of Christ that you may welcome believer, that those believers will welcome you into eternal dwellings. He encourages us to use our material possessions as a means of investing in relationships with eternal outcomes. I wonder, for those who take this to heart, even those who can just give so little from a human perspective, but give diligently, say to the missions fund or missions giving, someday there will be people that greet you in heaven and say, thank you for faithfully supporting the work of the gospel in this country. It's because of brother or sister so-and-so that I'm in heaven today, and I got insight that you gave all, you're all for this cause. And Jesus says, what, what a wise way to use your money. It is a blessing. Or in 2 Corinthians 9, when Paul talks about it, he says, giving those who sow generously will reap generously. And he's primarily saying in the time to come, and sowing is a Giving is a way of sowing in God's economy. Paul says to the rich, and the church was, the church in the early age was full of rich people. God, many of the rich people did convert to Christianity, and he says to them, through talking to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, I, I tell you, Charge those who are rich in this present age, because that doesn't mean they'll be rich in the next age, that they're not to be proud because, because money can make us really proud thinking that we're something when we're really nothing, and help tell them to not set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, because we're all susceptible to putting our hope in riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, praise God. They are, this is what they're to do with their wealth. They are to do good. They are to be rich in good works. They are to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. It's a blessing because it is a way for us to say, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, his truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever, and that's what I'm living for, that's what matters in my life. We just sang that, the end of a mighty fortress is our God. Another reason, another reason it's a blessing, blessing number two, it's, it's a way of seeking our Father's approval and his care. When we give generously, when we embrace this blessing, it is a blessing. We're seeking the Father's approval and care. I asked somebody who's in my life, who's just, I view as a, a generous, loving giver. God has shown himself faithful in that person's life through the years. And I asked this person, I said, I said, brother, I know you love to give and you often talk about the blessing of giving. When you think of the blessing of giving, why do you think it's a blessing? Why do you call it a blessing? And he said to me, almost with tears in his eyes, he says, I think about 
the joy of my father saying to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. All that you had was actually mine in the first place, and you've been faithful over that little. I will set you over much, enter into the joy of your master. That's a quote from Matthew 25, 21, a parable of Jesus, in which he instructs us how to think about our possessions and our wealth and the things that God has given us. This is love. Oh, that we would give as we would, as a way of saying, I love the Father imperfectly, but I love him, and I want to grow to love him more, and I want to feel his pleasure upon my life and someday rejoice in this praise and commendation. We, and we do this because we know he cares for us. We give because we wait upon him and we see his kindness and his provision and his care. We say, how could I live on all of my possessions without God's favor in disobedience to God when I can just give and give and enforce myself even more to trust in him and let him use my resources and let him see work in my life and show himself faithful. Paul says to the giving Christians in Philippi, in Philippians 4.19, oh, I want you to know my God, your God, will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. The psalmist says in Psalm 37, I've been young and now I'm old and I have not seen the righteous forsaken and his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously. His children become a blessing. Here's a third reason, godly contentment. Would you give and would you pray and ask God to help you to take this passage to heart and cling to the promise of blessing because it can lead to godly contentment. And I can't think of a greater gift to anybody than to be contented in God, whether they have little or much. When Paul is talking to the giving Christians and he says, thank you for giving, but I want you to know my biggest desire isn't that I get here. I've learned to be in need. I've learned that in whatever situation to be content, I know how to be brought low and I now know how to abound in every circumstances. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And this is all in the context of contentment and a God who cares to generous giving, claiming God's promises. They trust him Christians. When Paul writes to warn Timothy to teach the church, he says, teach them that godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing, nothing into the world, and we're not going to take anything out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we can be content. Oh, the joy of being freed from the mastery of money's possession on us. It will never bring us contentment. It'll always scream to us more, more, more. I need more. Giving with the right attitude while trusting God is an active step towards this contentment. The last prompt, it's just, there's so many more, but here's, here's one last blessing, one last promise or the blessing of giving, killing greed, killing greed, the love of money. Oh, Americans 
We are the richest people in the history of the world. You go to just go to Cameroon or any country like that, and they think they know we're all rich compared to them. The luxuries, the enjoyments, the things that we can even fall back onto when we're absolutely destitute are abundant compared to places all over the world in the history of the world. And one of the great, great evils that would just destroy us in our wealth as Americans is greed, the old-fashioned word covetousness, the love of money. Paul says those who, ri- those who desire to be rich, so he's basically saying don't desire to be rich. You get rich, praise God, use your riches, but don't desire to be rich. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, don't want that, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through cravings, the craving that some may wander from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many pangs. He's saying, beware of loving money. Giving is one antidote towards that awful peril in our lives. The wise Solomon says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless, he says in Ecclesiastes 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. Proverbs 23. Do not wear yourself to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches. They're gone. For they'll sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Oh, that we would trust God and the blessing of of this. It is more blessed to give than to receive who gives us himself and his son, who calls us to give what we cannot keep, to gain what we cannot lose, that he might say, well done, my good and faithful servant. The last point that I want to give to you is the application of the beatitude. In this passage, we find Jesus speaking it, and and Paul tells us to remember it. And we find out it is more blessed and it's a blessing. So what does Paul do with it? He says, in all things I've shown you. He says, I coveted no silver and gold or apparel. In fact, my own hands, I worked really hard so that I could take care of myself to not be a burden on you. And I worked so hard and I helped by giving to the poor. And... I think Paul is saying, I just want you to practice what I've practiced. I remembered over again, my life is about giving. It is about realizing how much he's given. I could never receive more than I, I could never give what I haven't already received. He just keeps giving and giving and giving, and I just, I give back. Oh, that we would put this into practice. As I conclude this sermon, I I guess on application, I said something at the beginning of the sermon. I said, a best guess, our church and most churches, maybe a third give 
faithfully. What does faithfully mean? Let me, here's some basics about practical giving, what God's word says about giving. Number one, giving, biblical giving is willful and cheerful. Thankfully, you're probably thankful no one has taxed you here at the church or made you give here at the church. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. We find the example of this kind of giving when these Macedonian believers in 2 Corinthians 8, it says, Paul says, they gave so much They were so poor and they gave so generally, they kept begging earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints into the the care fund that needed to go to those that were in need. They They first gave to the Lord and then they gave to us. So biblical giving is saying, God, I'm not being forced to do this. I want to do this. God, help me to be cheerful. I don't think this means that you wait till you're cheerful and then you start giving. No, none of this does that. I don't wait till I'm excited about this word to go to the word. I don't wait till I'm excited about praying to go to prayer. I don't wait till I am excited to be faithful husband, to be, to be practically trying to be a faithful husband. Sometimes it might not feel like any of those things, but we say, oh God, You're so good as I remember the blessings of giving and how you just give, give, give in the gospel. Help me to cheerfully give. Number two, biblical giving is is systematic giving. And I just mean it's regular giving. It's orderly giving. In the early church, 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there'll be no collecting when I come. He's saying, you, you do this on a regular basis, this systematic way. In Proverbs, the, the author of Proverbs, Solomon says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then will your barns be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Many fail to give because they, they don't make it a pattern of their life. For, for me, practically, I have it, it's, it's bill time, it's giving time. And mid-week, mid-month, another time. And I have it scheduled. You might schedule it so it automatically, electronically goes to say, I want to give regularly, faithfully, and so I'm gonna give systematically. First, the idea of first fruits, Proverbs 9, 10, 3, 9, is the idea of saying, I'm gonna give of the first of what I have, not waiting till the leftovers. If there's anything left over, that's then gonna go. No, it's, it's a commitment to say, I'm gonna trust God to live on what he gives me remaining as I seek to give as he wants me to give. A, a third principle is biblical giving is proportionate. This is very similar to systematic. The tithe, I haven't, Mentioned a lot about that. The tithe was established as a commandment of God's people in the Old Testament. 10% of everything was made, went to spiritual leaders, the Levites. And this was for the poorest and the richest. And in Malachi 3, it says the failure to give a tithe was, had to do with a very hard issue in which they weren't trusting or giving themselves to the Lord, and it was equivalent to robbing God. And I would say, uh, 
we have no reason that we are to at least abandon this principle and give less because we're in the New Testament age where God has even poured out his grace in even greater abundance. I like what one pastor writes. He says, tithing is a good place to start. And I know for some, it's a really hard place to start. And so you might have to creep up to that. But it, it's often not enough for Americans. My take my take on tithing, he says, in America, is that it's a middle-class way of robbing God. Tithing to the church and spending the rest on your family is not the Christian goal. It's a diversion. The real issue is how shall we use God's trust fund, namely all that we have for his glory? In a world with so much misery, what lifestyle would God call us to have what example are we setting? Oh, God does bless us to enjoy for his glory, to take care of our family for his glory, to take care of others for his glory, to care for the prospering and the preaching of the gospel here and on our missionaries across the world for his glory. Biblical giving is proportionate. And number four, biblical giving is generous and sacrificial. Generous means open-handed. It's giving. It's always saying, how can I do more? Remember I said this when Paul said to the rich, you should be generous, ready to give, ready to share, storing up for yourselves for a good foundation for the future. We see that example in 2 Corinthians 8. I, I like what I heard this week, and I'll maybe sum all of these principles up with this. Christian giving, biblical giving has this mindset with God is saying it is more blessed to give than to receive. Christians always give a portion, sometimes a sacrifice. All of us are called to always give a portion, sometimes a sacrifice. We're always systematically saying, God's blessed me. I give of my first fruits. I give proportionately. Of course not. Of course, it's a way of trusting God. He owns all of it. This is just a reminder constantly that he owns it all. And sometimes God brings me in a place, and for some people, he brings you in a lifestyle place for the whole, all of your life. I think of some missionaries who are going off and spending their life doing that when they could have lived business careers here and do quite well for themselves. Sometimes a sacrifice when you see a specific need and say, I don't need this trip. I don't need this kind of lifestyle. I'd rather help this ministry here at church or this missionary or this need that are around me. Always a portion, sometimes a sacrifice. And yet we live in our culture where we often think that always a portion is a sacrifice. Always a portion is a sacrifice to so many people. And in the Bible, it was always a portion or else you're robbing God. I guess I want us to think in terms of if we only think sometimes a portion, maybe a portion, we're robbing ourselves of a rich, rich blessing, joy, way to fight the love of money, the pleasure of God's kindness upon us, Dear brothers and sisters, oh, the grace of God to us that are in Christ Jesus. Your salvation was purchased for you and not by you. 
And it was by the precious blood that is in Jesus Christ that is Jesus' blood. If that's not you this morning, I welcome you to salvation in Christ Jesus. It's free and clear. There's no money involved, no tithing or givings needed. Faith and repentance is found. Faith and repentance is what we give to God, but he gives to us in the first place as we turn from our sins and we trust in him that he brings forgiveness of sins. Would you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved? And you are saved to a family Your father has entrusted you to this family, the church. He is your father for these few years with our few dollars and possessions, our time and our talent. They're all his. What will we do with them? Of course, this morning I particularly applied this specifically to our money and our possessions. You can apply it to our time, our energy, our talents, which are rich and deep and important to be given to God. So let us hear Paul, the apostle, as he writes in this Acts 20, he says, I worked hard. May we do that. He helped the weak. May we do that. He gave for the gospel. He did that. And may we, I think with Paul, remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, friends, brothers, family, It is more blessed to give than to receive. By faith, let us open our hands. May we change our priorities and give a pursuing of blessing. May we seek ultimate joy and happiness in him. Do you remember the words of the Lord? Do you believe him? Let us take him at his word. Let's pray. Father, oh God, draw us this morning to just rejoice in how we received and we receive and we receive. Oh God, I pray that there are some, I'm sure there are some here that are just in such a hard place and I just pray that you would help them. They're they're in a hard place financially and they feel like they're stuck. I pray that you would show them what obedience in taking you at your word means in this situation and if they need help, I pray that they would reach out for spiritual guidance and help in this area. Oh God, thank you that you command what you have shown to us by the way you gave your son and Jesus gave his life and the leaders of your people give of themselves. And I pray, God, that I would be that, that leaders of the church would be that. I pray that all of the members would so richly enjoy and we would take this, this beatitude and believe you and be those who seek you in it. In Jesus' name, amen.